What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right, I'm happy. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast with my trusty, wonderful, amazing co-host, Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, hello, sir. How are you? I'm great, John. You know, had uh, nine hours of sleep, took a nice walk, walked on a frozen lake today, worked out, took a nap, getting to record this. Um I don't have to worry about anything. I, I, I know just, what you're doing. I just have to worry about myself. And I'm taking a lot of self-care. And it's great. You know, just just love it. But how are you doing? How, did, I, it sounded like you had a pretty low-key week, though. So, f- first of all, that was fucked up. Um, second of all, um, I actually... And listen, the, the theme of this podcast, as is the theme of my, my life, is um, my wife is an absolute saint. Because I, for those who don't know... Um, and married to someone who gave birth over the weekend. Um, actually, not over the weekend. When was it? It was on. Uh, it was Wednesday, right? No, it was Thursday at five seventeen p.m. Um, and the preceding or, or the the forty eight or so hours that followed that, so from Thursday into Friday and then Friday into Saturday, were for anybody who's ever you know either given birth or I expect for most of the listeners of this podcast, been with someone who has given birth. Um, you know, your hospital stay is like, you're trying to get comfortable on the couch that they give you in the room and it's not the best couch. And you're, um, you know, you're trying to catch an hour here and hour there. So I was, when we got home yesterday, which, uh, we're recording on Sunday, um, I was beyond exhausted and I, it got to be eight, I think o'clock eight eight thirty. I was sitting on the couch. I was holding um, Isabel, and I started passing out. So I and my my wife was upstairs. She was taking a nap, um, or no, sorry, she was putting our other daughter to bed. And so I brought her up. I'm like, "What do we do? We have two kids now. We can't just like do, do, here you pass it off because we there's this is the thing now." And so I was like, "I'm just gonna put her down in the bassinet, and I need to fall asleep," which I did. I put her in the bassinet. I fell asleep. And I did not wake up until 6 a.m. So I slept from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. So I slept the same amount that you did. And you know why? It was because my wife, my wife, the saint that she is, took on the first night at home duty. Um, Kind of, because apparently she tried to wake me up and I just was in a coma and I just wasn't having it. Um, and I stayed asleep. So I did get a good night's sleep last night. Thank you for asking, Jeremy. Oh, yes. I really appreciate well, it. Well, the good news is, is that um, only one of us had to change a diaper. So I did change you know, all the diapers in the in the hospital and most since we've gotten home. That's great. I know one day you will dish it back to me, and I'm fully aware of that. And I, I can't wait for that moment to happen. But until then, 
I'm just, I'm just going to keep going with it. Just keep going. It'll be fun because when I do that, it'll be with your first child, which that's the rude awakening. This is like, I'm, I'm, this is old hat for me now. This is like riding a bike, you know, but, um, all right. So enough about my, uh, trials and tribulations of, uh, Jonathan as dad. Um, we have a basketball team that I'm very excited to talk about <laughs> that I haven't had a chance to talk about since they went over 500 again um, on Thursday night in um, a game that uh, will not be going in uh, in Springfield um, anytime soon. It was not the it wasn't as ugly as some of their other wins, but it was you know it, it was what it was. Um, so the the theme of today's episode is we're going to be doing three predictions each for the rest of the season. Um, one kind of normal sane one, one that's a little out there and one that's kind of batshit crazy. Um, we do not know each other's predictions, by the way. So I'm very excited to hear yours. Um, we also <laughs> mixed our lines of communication. So you thought you were doing predictions specifically for the trade deadline. I thought I was doing them just for the rest of the season. So we're going to get a good mix of stuff. Um, but before we do that, let's just for very briefly. Um, it, it, it seems like after Thursday, there's, it seems like the vibe is really good right now. So I, I just, I hadn't heard from you and I know how I feel about what's going on. And I just, I wanted to get your general impression, like how this is, we've gotten to, 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 you know, stew in this glory of being over 500, 19 and 18 for uh, several days now. How, how, how does it feel to you? Wonderful. feels great. I mean, how can it not, you know, you were expecting a team that supposed to win what it was 22 and a half wins for Vegas and we're at 19 mm-hmm. already. So, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to cashing that bet that I made. Very did you nice. actually make the bet? I did. Yeah, of course. I, oh, I saw 22 and a half. I thought you're telling me that this team made no improvements to the point where they're going to be a laughing stock. No. So yes, I that was that was one of the uh, the three teams that I placed a bet on, and uh, it's great to just see them working together and showing signs of life, because that's the thing. I mean, we've talked about the second half and how daunting it can feel, but focusing right now on what we've seen, how important. That is, and the fact that they have a positive rating, one of five teams in the conference that is actually above 500, it's miraculous. And it's great. And how could you not be excited by that? So love it. Thrilled with what we're seeing. Um, I, I'm very curious to see, obviously, the next few weeks, but it's nice to also have that breather to just like not have to worry about, oh, is this the night where we go two games over 500? Do we go back to 500? Are we going to be under 500? So I, I'm grateful for the pause, but I think that just if we're looking at what this first half was, you can't not appreciate. And if you are not appreciating it, then I don't really know what's wrong with you because (laughs) unless you just were hate watching or so focused on tanking that this is completely blowing up all plans that you had. And you're like, Oh, we're going to just be miserable for years. I mean, again, like wins are very important right now because we floundered in the similar position for a while. So might as well try winning. And you know what? If it doesn't continue, that's okay too. We're back to where we were before. Yeah, no, you 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 nailed it. And I think for a lot of people, um, it's funny for people who don't live and die with this team every day, not only this year, but for years and years, it's easy, right? If you're a national media person or just someone observing from the outside, like, oh, okay, the Knicks are good now. They're going to now act as a good team. That's what you do, right? When you go over 500 midway through a season, you're like, okay, let's see what we can do with this, right? As long as we're not like drastically sacrificing our future, you know, flexibility and, and potential and whatnot, which we'll get into that maybe in this in this later in this episode. But like, of course, you try to make improvements. That's what you do. And yet I think for Nick fans, 
and I, there's a little bit of this going on with me now too. I still think it's going to be like the first three game losing streak and spoiler alert. I think there's going to be a three game losing streak somewhere in the schedule in the second half. People, I, I could already see people like just jumping off of rooftops being like, Oh my God, we screwed it all up with the 19 and 18 start. Like we tanked our draft position, the whole thing. And I just think um, it's going to, it's really difficult to get out of that mindset and into like, okay, the Knicks have something here. Let's see what they could do with it. Um, I'm there. I think you're there. Um, I think most people are there, but I still think it's a little dicey. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see that moving forward. Um, anything else we should touch on before we get in, into the predictions? Yes. I think there's one thing we should talk about. What? And it's uh, ESPN. And uh, what's that? What did they do now? Well, just all of the Windhorse, Williams, Hubbub. Oh, figures. yeah, that's great. If we, don't, if we don't address it, then what are we doing here, right? So, um, yeah. Do you, you want to just say what it is? Sure, um, sure. Yeah. For those who maybe didn't see, um, basically earlier this past week, uh, Brian Windhorse of ESPN said, oh, there's a, a star that is likely going to look to make his way to the Knicks within the next 12 months. That's the expectation. And then a day or so later, Jay Williams said on his show, well, the player that Brian Windhorse was talking about was Devin Booker. And then he just goes on this long list of reasons why Devin Booker and the Knicks are a match on paper and why that's going to happen. Um, I, I want to start with Windhorse uh, in the sense that he, sure. he does this all the time. Where And you can even see, if you go and actually you know read the transcript or listen to what he says, he he basically says like, oh, there's a star, but I don't want to say who because it's, you know, it, I don't want to risk that. Uh, he's so vague that it's hard to tell who it is, but he says enough where he can say like, well, see, I laid down the groundwork to show that this was the player that I was talking about all along, even though I didn't say his name because I couldn't say his name. Well, he but I, I, I as did you, I'm sure I listened to it. I listened to it that morning. He says he the way I took it as there is a specific player that he assumes will request the trade. I did not come away with the impression. Maybe you did that. He knew for a fact that this specific player was already angling to request a trade. I mean, maybe that's too fine a distinction, but well, just in the sense that he, he thinks he has the person or like he'll, he'll give enough clues, yes, he, but he yeah. won't, he'll, yeah. he won't be um, transparent about who it is because he doesn't want to rock the boat, but he also wants to maybe take some credit when it happens. So, yeah. Um, have your cake and eat it too. Exactly. Well, yes. Uh, and for, <laughs> not nice. Um, continue please. And for Jay Williams, just this idea of Devin Booker and look at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite, because I have obviously said on this pod before I could, I, I think that Leon Rose is going after Devin Booker at a certain point. There's a very big distinction between saying Devin Booker is going to be a Nick within the next 12 months and Devin Booker down the line could be a New York Knicks because of being traded. And the reason for that is because the, the Suns are the second best team in the West right now. They've got Chris Paul for this year and next year. Let's look at Thank the you. next 12 months. Chris Paul is under contract for that entire time. You're yeah. not trading Devin Booker, period, when you have Chris Paul, Chris Paul on your team. Well, can, because- we just, can we say it's unprecedented? When has a star ever in the history of the league been in a, in a, on a contender and demanded a trade off of that contender? I think maybe the one, for, maybe the one thing you can maybe say is like Kawhi. If nope. you want to call the, those Spurs a contender, 
But and I think you could. I think you could definitely make that argument. That situation but, was also very messy. He had alleged questions about how they handled the injury and the whole thing. Right. But that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But other than that, it's yes, I agree. Not only just to leave that type of you know contender, but also leaving it when you have that much time left on your contract. Yeah. Because there's a reason why these really great all-stars do not leave their teams or get traded within at most two years of their contract. It's because teams don't want to trade them. Like the idea of Carl Anthony Towns, who I think a lot of people speculated might be who Windhorse was talking about. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Sure. The Wolves front office has no reason to trade him. Zero. Zero whatsoever. And you can look at it as a fan and say, well, they're going to go downhill eventually, so might as well cut your losses and trade him for an even bigger haul than you could get than wasting time. And yeah, I, I don't disagree, but the whole point is you have to look at it from their perspective. The front office has done everything they can to try to work with Carl Anthony Towns. Pulling the plug would be disastrous. It's the thing like I kind of look at it with Steve Mills and Scott Perry, where the Knicks were not doing well. They were floundering. And then they tried to make a big move. And that big move didn't pan out. And so they tried, OK, well, we'll try again. Right. We didn't get the, the big fish, but we're going to go back at it and gonna do something else. If you trade Carl Anthony Towns, there's no coming back from that from a front office because you're already rebuilding, but you also aren't because you may not even have your pick this year if you're Minnesota. So this idea of the front office like hitting reset to try to save their skins isn't something that I think happens because that's just not how they're going to operate. They're going to try to build around the team as best as possible because if you're trading Carl Anthony Towns away, then what are you basically doing that you're not doing right now? You're, you're still floundering. You're still being ass. So if you're going to continue to be ass, you might as well continue being ass with Carl Anthony Towns and not trading, <laughs> you know, one of the best offensive big men in the league. Uh, again, I understand. In, in, in the a, history a, of the league. Right. In the well, history of the league. Yeah. I think, I think there's definitely an argument for that. So I get it. I think from a 2K perspective or from a fan perspective, just ripping off that Band-Aid makes a ton of sense. But from a, a, a bureaucratic, from a business standpoint, it's not something that – we have really seen, I mean, I guess you could say since the Porzingis thing. And again, how, how did that turn out for, for Steve Mills? It didn't I, turn out I, very I, well. No, that's, that's apples and oranges because he was coming up under strict the free agency and he threatened all kinds of, well, of nonsense course, they're, and, they're not the same exact situation. It's more the idea of trying to pivot in a completely different direction because these front offices don't have that type of runway unless things are progressing well and you can buy yourself time. Things are not going well in Minnesota. They don't really have time on their side. They've got a small window to do it, and they want to build with towns. I don't, I don't know that I believe you're saying they have a small window because towns is expiring in three years. Uh, no, I'm well. Yes, sure. They're they're operating on borrowed time, but what I'm saying is that their window is compressed because of the fact that if they trade towns, then it's what does it look like, right? They're just still a bad team, but they're with a bad team without Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, but I so I think. Th- they've proven that they could be a bad team with or without Carl Anthony Towns, which I think it plays into this conversation. I think what we're really talking about is if, and when he goes to them and he's like, I'm ready to move on now. I want to go here. Um, and I'm going to make it public. And if you don't do this, then it's going to cause you a headache. Um, do they push back and are like, give us more time or do they willingly acquiesce like the folks who traded Chris Upsworth Zingas did? Um, and that turned out to be for the better. Um, I guess the thing that is interesting to me about the situation is they can reboot this thing pretty easily. It just simply because 
they just hired a new coach. They hired a new front office. It's one season ago, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, um, so R- Rosas, right? Yeah. So Rosas has been there for whatever. A, a, a one, season plus. Yeah. Yeah, season plus. So there's a runway there. Um, the team's going to get sold at some point, we think. Um, you could say, oh, well, if they trade Carl Anthony Towns, then it, it, it screws up the set. No one's coming there now, I don't think. Um, so I don't think trading Carl Anthony Towns is saying like, we're going to reboot this thing the right way. Like for, like, I don't think that's going to affect things. Um, I just think at some point he's, if he, if he asks out and I, I wrote it in the newsletter last week and I'll repeat it. I was told by someone who I believe has knowledge of what Winhorse was getting at that. Yes. Winhorse was referring to Towns. Um, and again, whether that means Towns is actually going to ask out and request a trade to the Knicks means it's, it does not. This is when we're speculating. That's why I wanted to draw that distinction before. But I I don't know. I think we've seen time and time and time and time and time again, the guy requests a trade with a year and a half left on the contract or with almost two years left on the contract, a little bit into the second season. That is currently the standard. Yes, it is. It's currently the standard. But the point is that when we've seen who, – who have we really seen it, right? We've seen maybe We saw Paul it from George. Davis. We saw it from uh, Jimmy Butler. But Davis had an opt-out. That's the other thing. Whatever he, Jimmy Butler also Jimmy Butler was in a different position. I, okay. I get what you're saying. Yes, I, it, look. Yeah. I, yes, I agree. It's it's not like completely Kawhi. out of the question. What Kawhi? Kawhi had a year left, and he was injured. Well, you could. Well, we don't need to get into the Kawhi. I'm that situation started go. He started going really downhill when he just started sitting out games when he may or may not have been healthy enough to play them in the in the beginning of that you know, second right. season out. But when he, I'm saying from the point where he was traded to the end of his contract, it was only yes. one. No, season. you're right. You're absolutely right. You're hundred percent. Right. Um, and the idea of, we just don't see these guys move. Like we saw Paul, Paul George with two years left on his deal. Right. And the only reason that he was moved was because it was a blockbuster move with Kawhi Leonard signing him. So it was a package deal where you, if you're the Clippers, you feel comfortable making this trade because you feel like you're building a contender. No, I, I, right. and I know you're disagreeing with me. It's just the idea of, and why I don't think he's able to be pried away is that, what team is able to take Carl Anthony Towns and match him with a marquee free agent or that already has established talent on the roster and has enough assets at their disposal where they can trade for Towns and retain the talent that they already have. See, that's and I, don't, the fasc- I don't know if that's where the Knicks can, can make a play here. That's the fascinating thing to me is I think if, if Towns, again, we're, this is speculation out the wazoo here. <laughs> If Towns is like, I want to be traded, I want to be traded to go play for the coach that I played for in Minnesota because I know I've I've found religion and I know now that is what I need to be successful. I want to play for the guy who put me on the fucking treadmill, uh, Henry at Kentucky. I want to go play for the guy that convinced me to go play for Coach Cal in the first place. Um, I haven't read that anywhere, but. West makes everybody do everything in, in, in all things having to do with Kentucky. So um, whatever you, you like, he could do that. And if now we've already seen Masai Ujiri take a situation where a guy said he wanted a certain thing and say, I don't care. I'm going to trade from anybody for him. Anyway, Sam Presti did the same thing with Paul George. The reason I think it's interesting with towns is I don't think the league, the rest of the league looks at towns like they, that those guys looked at George and Kawhi. Which is to say, I think they might look at him and be like, is this guy worth giving up all of the things for to bring him here for two and a half to two, let's say two, one and a half to two seasons 
and then he's maybe go walks anyway. Like, I think there's enough stink on him at this point, and this is not to disparage him as a player, but like, I don't know that I'd want to be the team to give up all of the things for him and, and hope that like, that's, that's where I think it's interesting. Whereas New York has all the Intel and like Wes and Payne and Tibbs could be like, look, we either know that we could fix this guy and make him into a centerpiece of a championship team or not. That's, that's the only thing I think it's a unique situation. Right. And I don't want to make it seem like Towns is never going to get traded because I think there's still a very high likelihood that oh, I think he's going to get traded. at some point be traded. It's just the timing of it within the next 12 months. I, you know, I just don't see it happening within that window. I think that if you allow for a little bit more time from there, uh, cause I mean, but yes, for Windhorse, it had to have been uh, Booker who we already ruled out as it's just not, not going to happen uh, Towns or Beal. And the other option of course, with Beal and the word on the street is that Beal is just not going to move. The Wizards have no intention of trading him and Beal himself doesn't necessarily want to go anywhere. So again, it was like one of two options. So and we could talk Honestly, about Beal, but I feel like we've talked about Beal plenty. No, we don't have to talk about Beal. So we don't let's, need to, but let's move. Let's move. I think we've, we've, we've discussed this enough. I think it's, 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 it was worth a discussion because this is something that is going to hang around there. And at some point his name is going to get associated to this. I would be shocked. Okay. Yeah. Predictions. Everybody loves predictions. Um, okay. Uh, how do we decide who goes first? Maybe Andrew should think of a number between one and 10. Okay. I'm ready. So you have to think of a number between one and 10. You have the number. I did. Yeah. Let's do this. Seven. No. Four. Well, I, Jeremy. Has you wanted the closer first. one. Do you want the closer one? Yeah. The closer one gets it. It was four. So Jeremy got it. He didn't even say a number. Yeah. Did. I just said four. Jeremy said four. Does hearing go when you get a second shot? <laughs> you know, to hell with all of this. Uh, this is. Rigged. I was going to make right. it, but I'm glad you did, Andrew, because now it feels like we're in this together. There all you right. go. Cool. Jeremy, decide. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, no, I'll go first. I'll okay, it. go for it. I'll take it. So, um, since I'll do the the trade side of it, I've got as my normal prediction. I figure we'd start normal and work. Yes, way go up. normal from to normal to ask ask backwards. Crazy. Great. So I've got that the Knicks are going to focus just as much on the future, if not more on the long-term than they are on this season. Um, so for the folks at home, Knicks still have $15 million in cap space, plenty to do there. Um, the Knicks are above 500, one of five teams. That's phenomenal. Uh, you can find talent by taking on big contracts, uh, at least in, in terms of expiring. And you can say that they're of value, but the question is, you know, how are you perceiving said value, right? Like for example, JJ Redick, I'd be interested in him. But is he being treated as a negative asset or is he being treated as a positive one? If he's being treated as a positive asset, I don't really want to trade a piece for JJ Redick. If he's being tra- treated as a negative one, you know, maybe like Redick, some sort of salary like Knox, maybe Knox and Rivers, Knox and Peyton, Peyton Rivers, some combination oh or God. something. Knox has devolved for you into just a salary? Man, how the money No, but I'm saying you would, and you would, you would try if he's a negative, if Redick is a negative asset. In that view, because you're saving the money because Reddick's making about 13, Knox is making closer to six. Yeah. The ability to then try to get not just clearing cap space, but if you can get a pick out of it, like an early second round pick, the pist- the uh, the, pist- the Pelicans have two of them. So that sort of thinking of Reddick's not really going to help you in the short term. He might. He pro- I mean, he's definitely not going to help you in the I long term. But I think he'd help them. I mean, he's more of an upgrade, I guess, than, than say like a river. I think he's better than Reggie sure. Bullock. Yeah, I would agree with that. Reggie Bullock is miscast in his role. Um, That's polite. Yes. But yeah, so that idea of, or like, 
I really love an Evan Fournier type player, Evan Fournier himself. That is the type of player that I would really be interested in. Uh, he uh, He's shooting <laughs> 89th percentile in transition uh, and he's shooting 96th percentile on handoffs. Those are really good numbers. Uh, very excellent. But here's the question. If another team comes calling and says, hey, Orlando, we'd like to trade a matching salary that's expiring and a couple second round picks for Evan Fournier. If you're the Knicks, are you comfortable saying, you know, we'll match that we'll, or we'll exceed that? Because I don't think I would necessarily feel comfortable in that position. But it's that question of do you prioritize the short term saying like because we could get Evan Fournier or do you think, well, we could get him in the offseason when he's a free agent? Or do you think maybe the team that trades for him and gets his bird rights has that leg up and is willing to keep him? And so you kind of have to trade for him if you want him in the future. So there's a whole lot of, you know, yeah. a lot of things going on here. It's very complex. A lot of things at play. So the idea of trying to position yourself as a team in the now versus a team later and still wanting to win, especially with the schedule, I, I have to think that they're going to try to tread water as best they can and they're not going to make a move. But if they see a way to both make themselves better in the short term and the long term, but maybe more so in the long term, that would be more ideal. And that's kind of what I'm expecting from them. That's interesting. Um, I don't think that, and I don't think you're saying this. I don't think they're going to make themselves worse. No, and I, at all, right? And I'm not saying that either. Yeah. To be clear, there are only about three or four players that I could see um, really being moved that are kind of fringe rotation guys, or you know, maybe one or two in the starting lineup that it makes sense to try to get them to other teams if other teams are of interest. But I'm not saying right, like outright downgrade. It's more just trying to see ways where you can um, go on both sides of the boat without tipping one side over. A little fun analogy. Um, I mean, it's all downhill from bedposts, but yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that idea. Um, I think they may be a little bit more aggressive than that, but we'll see. Um, I like that idea though. Okay. My prediction, uh, my normal prediction is um, is kind of a cop out because if I really went all the way, I should just, I would say that he would win the award. Um, I think, I think Julius Randall is going to, do I want to go, do I really want to, eh, fuck it. It's a podcast. I think Julius Randall is going to win most improved player. Um, currently, currently at this moment, the odds are that Jeremy Grant is favored. Um, he's minus 250 to win this thing. So it's pretty, pretty solid favorite. Um, after that is Julius Randall at plus 500. And then you got Christian Wood at plus 600. Uh, Jalen Brown at plus a thousand and then everybody else is like more than 30 to one odds. So he's right there. Um, and I think there is a decent chance that he overtakes Grant because when is like, I feel like if, if there is any award that voters are going to be like, we'll give it to you, even though you're on the worst team in the league, it's this one. Because even like all rookie, I feel like last year we saw it with Terrence Davis, right? He made it over R.J. Barrett. Why? Because Terrence Davis played for the playoff Raptors. Um, but the most improved, it's like, yeah, if you improve, you improve. Um, I think Randall could really win this. And the re- and I, I have pushed back on some people who um, reach out to me and they're like, oh, shouldn't Julius Randall be getting all the buzz for, for most improved player? And the reason I did that is because I did not think that he was going to have enough jump in the counting stats. However, 
Um, I did not account for one in particular, which is that he is shooting over 40% from three-point range. And I think that by itself has so transformed his ceiling as a player, um, the Knicks' potential future with him as a core piece. Um, and just like the Knicks offense, like the fact that he's hitting these threes is huge for them. That and the assist thing, like the assist thing is the other major counting stat, which, you know, I think he would need to get closer to like six and a half assists a game. I think he's, is he, he's still over five, but maybe by not by much. Um, so I think he'd need to up that. I think he'd probably need to up his scoring a little bit too. Um, maybe, maybe even the, like the numbers need to go up a little bit more, but I think there's a real, I think there's a real possibility that he wins it. And I, I would, what, what did I say to Osborne? Plus 500. I think that's a, that's a decent value bet. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, listen, for someone like Jeremy Grant, he's about the same age. He is the same age as Julius Randle. Yeah. And his team is the second worst in the NBA. So to me, I think that team success should have an impact on what you're able to do because yes, your individual improvements are important, but Right now, Julius Randle is the primary option for, if the season ended right now, the fifth seed in the NBA, uh, in the East. So the idea yeah. of of snubbing him for someone like Jeremy Grant, where his team can't even get out of the basement of the NBA, that feels a little bit backwards. Um, or Christian Wood. Yes, he's played phenomenally. The Rockets missed, have missed have games lost. too, though. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, he's, he's missed, missed like about a month, or he will have missed about a month of play. Yep. And while the Rockets have lost 13 in a row, all of that without him, you could point, well, well, oh, like clearly they play better with him. But again, you have to be on the floor to show those improvements. You have to make your mark. And Christian Wood himself is, is he 25 years old? So, yeah. So automatically we're talking about a a group of guys who are all in their mid twenties, where this award is usually reserved for players who are, 21, 22, maybe 23. It's it's the it's the second or third year guy who got more minutes and thus put up a lot more points, right? Right. So yeah. And I think with Jalen Brown, I could get it, right? You know, I mean, he's playing on, I think the Celtics are going to finish with a better record. They've got Jason Tatum. He's been thriving. The ability yeah. for just his creation, his shooting, his defense, it's been great. But, you know, and he's younger. So if they want to say like, well, it's a younger award. So clearly we're giving it to the guy who's younger. I could get that. But He's, he doesn't have the same impact on what Randall's doing because this isn't the most improved. This is excuse, this is the most improved player award. This isn't the most valuable player award. And if one of these players, i.e. Julius Randall, is in the All-Star game, sure, Jalen Brown is too. But if Julian, if if Julius Randall can have the opportunity of knock on wood, making it even to an all-NBA opportunity, oh, it's- how, like how are you going to take the guy who made an all-NBA team and say, well, Jeremy Grant was more improved than Randall was? where Randall was just stumbling and bumbling his entire season last year and now has figured out a way to just <laughs> okay, Glenn. phenomenal. So again, and Jer- like, and, and biased Jer- here, but, but how can you, no, how can you turn a blind eye to what Randall's been able to do? No, I he's think, playing in tonight's all-star game and Jeremy Grant isn't. Um, and and Jalen Brown, by the way, last year put up uh 20 and six for a, how many, whatever win team, a good team. The Boston Celtics were a good team. So, um, and he was the second best player on that team, just like he's the second best player on this team now. Um, I think he's, I think he Randall is a real shot. And um, that would be really cool. And also narrative, narrative matters with all of these fucking awards. So um, yeah, I think the narrative is uh, going to be big here too. Uh, okay. Your, your second prediction. So now we are, we've gone from the grounded pr- uh, prediction to Jonathan has had 
uh, three or four cups of the finest sake. Get Kikin. Nice. This has been in my fridge for the last several weeks. I'm determined to finish this bottle of sake. It's not the best sake. Um, but that that is where we are now. And then by the time we get to our last prediction, the bottle will be empty. So, And you'll have meat on deck, right? <laughs> no meat in the house right now, okay. actually. No meat. Um, all right. So my kind of out there prediction, and I guess I'm categorizing this as I think it could make the team better, but I don't think they're going to necessarily do it. But who knows? Is the Knicks trading for Lonzo Ball? So for context, I mean, we talk about timelines all the time, right? The idea of, well, Julius Randle's 26 going to 27 and all the guys are in the early 20s. So if you get someone who's 23 years old and in Lonzo Ball, you have someone who is perfectly in between the two. So whether you want to go older, that's great. Whether you want to go younger, still fits perfectly. Um, You also get matching rights. That's important. I think a lot of people with restricted free agents, again, just think, well, we'll throw them a big offer and it'll be fine. It really doesn't work that way that often. Bogdanovich was one of the more recent uh, case studies of when that actually does happen. And as you can see, it's not going over super well. Or Tim Hardaway Jr. when the Knicks did that. Obviously not the same player, but the same idea of you're overpaying and making a guy who is better in a specific role and you're elevating him in that role to a position where maybe he's not best suited to be in that spot. Um, So here's the deal on Lonzo Ball. About 37% of his shots have come on spot-ups. And he's in the uh, 77th percentile. Reggie Bullock has had 37% of his shots as well coming in spot up. And he's in the 59th percentile. We talked about how Bullock is just not that guy. This is an insane improvement um, just from what that role is and, and how Lonzo would fill into it. Cause he's not a point guard as we've both talked about. And that's just not what he is. Um, I'd say that also shooting 38.7% on 7.8 three-point attempts per game, including 45% from the corner, which is 67th percentile, that's pretty good. Um, Anything you want to add before I continue? I want this to be a real thing. All right. I I shall want it to be a real thing. Oh, we'll leave it at that. I'll continue. No, I, we'll come I just, back to I, it. Uh, no, I just, I don't. If you're, if you're David Griffin and you're New Orleans and you, you have Zion and you have Brandon and you have now Lonzo shooting, is he above 40% or is he in the 39 still? For, from three? From three. He's 37. Uh, no, he's 38.7. Okay. So we're close. He's right. close to 39. Uh, well, I, know, I know what you're going to say, obviously. We'll get there. No, no. What are, what, like, what's he doing it for? Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. It all comes down to cost because as we talked about, the Pelicans have good picks. You know, it, the idea then would be this three-team trade that you would maybe want to do where it's like, are the Knicks taking on bad salary and Lonzo Ball? Are they? What are they sending out? Are they, as a result of taking on something else in addition to that, does the what they send out go down because is a, they're taking on a bad asset? I agree that it's it's part of the package, but the idea of also like, well, what are you doing with your first round picks? Because as we've talked about with the Mavs pick, if that is decreasing in value, at what point do the Knicks say like, well, this is completely off limits no matter what. It's not so much advising that that's what the Knicks trade, but the idea of like, well, if the Pelicans would be wanting some sort of compensation for it. And if you're looking at a pick that as of right now is actually 18th versus the Knicks pick, which is 16th. I want to say, no, it's, excuse me, it's 20th. And the Knicks pick is 18th, I think. Um, so that, you know, as that pick goes up and up, 
you still want to hold on to your picks for sure. It's the idea of like, well, is Lonzo Ball worth that pick? Would you say that pick is worth becoming Lonzo Ball? Um, but just and just for a little bit more context, I, mean, I, mean, just, I have to say this because I always do. This is my line. It's not about whether the pick is worth Lonzo Ball. It's whether the pick is worth paying Lonzo Ball um, $80 million for the next four seasons. Yes and no. Because, the, again, if you had to poach him from the Pelicans, you have to overpay to get him. So the and idea- then you have to overpay again a second time this summer. No, but what I'm not necessarily, because if you if you hold his rights and his matching rights, then it doesn't mean that a team is going to try to swoop in because they recognize that he's not going to be able to be poachable anyway. It doesn't mean yes, wait, wait, I understand wait, 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 that there's wait. a team that wants to jump in there anyway. But if they hold his rights and trade for him, then they're going to keep him. I get if what they, you're saying. I know if what you're the Knicks say. trade for him and give up whatever the hell they give up to get him. And then it's July for whatever the date is this year, July 1st. And Chicago is like, here, here's your Five, here's your four-year, $85 million. Here's your Van Fleet contract. What are, The Knicks have to match that because they just trade for you. Well, gave of course, it's a sunk cost, but right. But you can also operate on the idea of, well, what if they don't do that? What if Chicago says, well, why do we want to tie up our money knowing that we're not going to get them at all anyway? So why are we going to get them? This market sucks. It doesn't matter if the market sucks, John. Because yes, the fact it does. That, it matters no, it if it sucks because it, it means teams like Chicago are going to come to lots of ball and be like, here. And what, what happens money. if they don't get a restricted free agent and the entire market is is turned upside down and now they've walked away with no one? That is a problem because the restricted free agency happens at the end of unrestricted free agency, essentially, because you have to wait until you're, after the moratorium. You're saying what if Chicago then, doesn't get anyone? Like, then they'd be disappointed. Right. Okay, who right. else? And that's my point. There is so little out there for teams to feel like. To me, if I'm a team like Chicago, I'm just using them as an example because they've been linked to Lonzo Ball. Like, I could see them operating the, under the, the premonition like, okay, we're going to go for Lonzo. If we don't get it, there's not going to be anyone who's going to sign in the next however many days, five days, that's going to make us regret at least giving us it a shot. And, and worst case scenario, what's probably going to happen is we're going to screw New York over because we're going to make them pay 40% more for Lonzo Ball than they want to. Like, am I? I understand I, what you're saying, obviously. Yeah. And you just don't think it's going to happen. No, I, I look. I'm not saying it won't happen, period, but it's the idea of that they're not going to necessarily tie their money up to the point where it's like they what do they walk away with if they don't get Lonzo? Nothing, which is fine with them because there's nothing else in this. But not necessarily if they want to upgrade their team and try to keep Zach Levine and say we're building around you. Uh, What happens if you're Zach Levine and you look at your team? It's like, okay, your one play was to get Lonzo Ball and you knew you weren't going to get him because the fact that you. Oh, great job. You made the Knicks pay you know, they could still $4 million dollars more annually. Well, that doesn't help me right now because the fact that I don't have anyone right next to me who can help me win. What does that say? That's okay. I'm just saying, because then you'd have to trade for help, right? Or then you're looking at Zach Levine and you're hoping, okay, well, maybe, just maybe you'll be cool with the fact that we didn't get you anyone to be your sidekick. It sends a, a bad message to him. I, I don't disagree it's with fair. the play. I get no, what you're saying. But that's fair. So anyways, again, like just... Uh, about Alonzo after, because I, I do agree. It's the whole, the whole point of acquiring him is it costs something, but then you have to keep him. You have to keep him on board and you do risk other teams that are doing that. A yeah. team like the Spurs could easily say, well, maybe not the Spurs because they, they're pretty good on, on wings and guards and whatever, but maybe a team like the Thunder, if they really wanted to do something, they could, I don't see them doing it either, but the idea of it, it just takes one, just takes one. But again, I do think that for those who maybe think Lonzo's not necessarily worth it, 
He is a phenomenal defender. He is frequently taking on the hardest um, defensive assignments in the NBA. Recently, he was, last I saw it was end of February, he was he took on the fourth toughest assignments in the NBA behind, I think it was what, uh, Dort, Mikhail Bridges, and Gary Harris. So clearly he's that type, you know, who can help. He's a playmaker. He can help in transition. He can get guys unlocked. Like Mitch, for example, is someone who he's not able to really do much in transition because the Knicks are slowing down the pace. And he was so good in transition last year. So getting him activated when he's healthy, that could help a lot. So I'm with you. I think the idea of getting him, it's going to be tough. That's why this is in the kind of out there prediction because he's a great fit, but there's a lot that would go into it, which is trading for him and having to pay him. So that's why he's kind of out there. I like it. Listen, I like it. I like it. Um, let's uh, let's move on to to my middling prediction. If we, if if they got Lonzo, this would make my prediction a lot more likely. But um, I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, I think the Knicks are going to finish with a six seed. It's my, it's my, it's not quite batshit crazy, but it's what's a, what's a, why is it batshit? What is it about batshit that makes it crazy? Andrew, do you have an answer to this? Do you have a theory? No idea, but we have the internet. So I'll look it up while you do your point. Great. Um, Anyway, one level below batshit. Here's my thinking. Um, Right now, we know that there's going to be three teams at the top in some order, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly. Um, I feel very confident that Miami is going to figure their shit out. And then we have two teams that one would think are going to pass the Knicks, the Celtics and the Raptors. I think that of those two, the Celtics are the team that's more likely to more likely to figure it out. So let's give them the five seed for now. Toronto is interesting. And right now they're in a situation where people already started to talk about, well, should they trade Kyle Lowry or not? I think if they trade Kyle Lowry, it doesn't guarantee anything because I could still I could see the Knicks, I could see Toronto trading Kyle Lowry, you know, tomorrow and then still figure fin, finishing with a, a better record than the Knicks, almost regardless of what they got back. Because I just I think Toronto's a good organization and they have good players and Van, Van Fleet's really good and everybody. Um, that said, I think if the Knicks make another move, which I think they'll do. Um, with, you know, just continuing what they've been doing already, I think this is in play. The reason why I don't have it in like a reasonable prediction, and I do think it's kind of out there, is I just, I just don't trust their offense still. It's still a bottom six or seven offense. Um, And then the defense, as we saw against San Antonio, it's like if a team's going to hit threes, like I, we, I, I don't want to get into the whole, is it luck or is it like just actually what they're doing? Like the point is like the, the threes they give up may be by design, but it doesn't mean a good team can't hit those threes. And they're making a bet that more often than not, it's going to result in, in, you know, the math is going to be on their side, but they play a lot of good teams over the second half of the schedule. And those teams are going to be locked in. Um, You know, we've maybe some of the, the, rust for some of these better teams that was in the bu- that were in the bubble has not rust but like you know they're going to be priming for for the playoff race so i don't know i'm a little bit nervous about it but i also don't think it's insane 
right? Like insane would be, you know, the Knicks are a top four seed. That's crazy. Six seed though, by a half a game or a game over whoever seven, I think it could happen. So that's my, that's my middle prediction. Yeah. It's just, again, I know they're talking about this a lot. The fact that they have so many tough games ahead of them. Yeah. It's, it's just killer. I mean, remember how at the beginning of the season it was brutal and yet they still were triumphant. That was great. Yeah. But now we are 37 games in and the team with the easiest schedule for those 37 games, the New York Knicks, it was us. It was our team. So, and of course the team with the hardest schedule was the maps. (laughs) So go figure. Um, Again, like I, I think that I agree with you that I think Miami will find a way to turn it around. I also do wonder if Oladipo's price drops to such a degree that Miami says, oh, you're telling me that he'll cost like matching salary and maybe a couple seconds that we already have? Yeah, we'll do that. Because why, why, why are you stepping on my last prediction? Well, if I had known what your last prediction was. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have the spontaneity of this episode. Well, maybe if you hadn't said that was your last prediction. How about this? How about this? Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna tell you to shut up, and I'm gonna read an ad before we get to your last prediction. How's that sound? Okay. Sure. Um, Jeremy, are there some mornings where we, where you wake up and you feel ready to pull the covers over your head and go back to sleep? No judgment, of course. Yes, John. There are mornings where that happens. There are mornings like that for me too, Jeremy. Um, but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the reason why you do, do that. Um, if you don't love your sheets. Well, Brooklinen has you covered. If you've ever just said to yourself, I love the fact that I've had the same few pairs of sheets since just after college and I never liked them, but then I just kept washing them every week and then I put them back in my bed and it's like totally normal. Well, stop it because Brooklinen will give you a better way to sleep. Um, Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they found a Brooklinen as the first direct-to-consumer betting company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without luxury-level markups. Uh, Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. And best of all, they have over 50,000 five-star reviews. That's more five-star reviews, barely, than this podcast. I know, crazy. Um, and counting. So they're confident that you will love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And they also have more than sheets, comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. Um, go to brooklinen.com and use promo code FILMSCHOOL, that's F-I-L-M-S-C-H-O-O-L, to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. Once again, that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And enter promo code FILMSCHOOL to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. And yes, film school, use it at checkout, brooklinen.com. You're going to be really comfortable. I want to go to brooklinen.com because I need great sleep more than ever. Did you know that, Jeremy? No, I didn't actually, John. <laughs> Why do you need more sleep? Are the Knicks just keeping you up at night? Because that shouldn't be the case because the Knicks are not. I usually do keep you up at night. I usually go to, I usually fall asleep thinking of different, this, this is why I'm an insane person, um, different trade scenarios. And I just like. I can just imagine during the delivery room, you're like thinking like, Hmm, I mean, if we get, what happens if we had Andre Drummond and then, and then Dolores is just screaming at you and you're like, Oh, right, right. right. Yeah. I gotta get back to this. 
I think the last time I looked at my phone before the baby popped out was like, like 512. I think it was like a five minute great. But the, at the point where they're like, can you put your phone down and hold this leg? I think that was the moment where I was like, okay, I got it. Anyway. Um, okay. We're up to batshit crazy. By the way, Andrew, did you ever get anything or? I did. So it's similar to the etymology of horse shit and ape shit, where it's literally just the erratic behavior of certain animals. Do bat shit like, think in a about way it. that is not kosher? Or what, what's, what's no, 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 no. Like, it's it's similar to batty. This is way less interesting than I was hoping it would be, to be oh, honest. Oh, it's, like, okay. it's okay. just like erratic. That's okay. that's the meaning. That The origin is just how bats fly around when you turn lights on. Well, perfect transition. Jeremy, is your prediction uh, erratic? Or is it, or is it, what is it? Well, how would you describe your prediction? I would describe it as chaotic. Ooh, I'm excited. Okay. Um, but again, this is, this is a, again, like this isn't a prediction that I necessarily see coming to fruition. It's just a prediction that I think can be out there. It's like a, you know, I, I guess you call it a bold prediction if you want to. Um, <laughs> listen, if you, I, I'm not, I'm not saying just, I want this. You're I'm prefacing because so I have to. You're couching it so much. Because What's this is basically prediction? like, this is almost like me you know, sitting you down on the couch, patting, you're like putting my hand on your hand and saying, listen, your, your mother and I are getting a divorce. That's like the kind of, that hasn't happened to me. So I don't know. Actually, I don't actually know if that's how those conversations go about. Um, my parents were divorced before I was born. So did they, maybe they told you in utero? I don't know. I probably wasn't listening, but I have probably a feeling not. whatever you're about to say is going to beat whatever that conversation would have been. <laughs> All right. Um, the bat chick crazy prediction I have is that the Knicks wind up dealing Mitchell Robinson. Wow. And again, listen, I don't, I don't want it. I ultimately don't think it could happen, but let me, let me at least explain I did, I some idea as to I why. All right. Didn't expect it. Okay. Keep going. So, you know, and Nerlens Noel is filled in admirably, but that is not a reason why in a 10 game sample size, you then cut the cord on Mitch, right? It's just not. Mitch is a far superior player to Nolan's Noel. Nice analogy, by the way. Thank you. Um, we have heard a lot, a lot about Andre Drummond from Mark Berman of the Post. Look, I'm I'm not saying that Berman is right. I'm not saying Berman is wrong. All I want to point out is that a lot of times we can kind of ignore smoke and we can just say there's no fire going on. And I don't want Andre Drummond. I've made that very clear. I think that trading for him would be a disaster in a lot of ways. He's just an inefficient guy who only shoots at the rim. So that should tell you quite a bit. But this idea of having Andre Drummond. Well, he's inefficient because he takes shots other than at the rim. When he well, shoots at the rim, he's pretty damn efficient. Yes, but he also doesn't take that many shots away from the rim. He he's does enough stuff. silly shit away from the rim to make him in a fit. Okay. Keep going. Yes. Anyways, he, he's, he's a guy who's just very much empty calories. He'll gobble up a ton, ton of rebounds. But I think the the point here with Drummond, which kind of concerns me is that the dude has started every single game in his NBA career, except for one since his, the start of his second year. So this is a guy who you bring in as a starter. I would like, you know, if, if he had to be here, you would hope that he would be coming off the bench, right? But then there's this idea of, okay, well, if we've still got Drummond going on, then you're not going to bring, you're not going to bump Noel to a, to a third option. 
you're not going to bump Mitch to a second option. You're not probably going to have Drummond come in with Mitch because if Drummond is getting 28 minutes a game, I mean, you're not going to be able to split accordingly with Mitch and Noel. And I'm also not saying that Taj Gibson deserves to have clout over any of the other players. He, you know, it's not like, well, I take Taj over them. It's the idea though of, well, Taj is a third string backup. So he's not going to be in the conversation anyway. The only reason he's playing is because Mitch went down in the first place. So if, if these Drummond rumors are in fact true, it just makes you think of, okay, well, why are they true? What, what is the purpose of bringing him into the conversation? And I don't really know because again, it's like, it, it all comes down to opportunity cost. If you're not trading, if you're not paying Mitch, it's not because of the fact that you have no interest in, in doing anything but getting a star. Because again, the Knicks know what the star market looks like. They know that unless there's some cockamamie, like, oh, we'll magically lure Kawhi Leonard and trade everything for Bradley Beal. And now we've got some, some pot, you know, stewing, then we're great. That's, that's not going to happen. So why do you do it? Why do you trade Mitchell Robinson? It's, it might just be because of the fact that he's not the player you want to build with long-term. And if that's the case, then I get it. I would like to see him here long-term, but I would understand not doing it. So, and then we talk about Kyle O'Quinn, who, I mean, he's in the rumors, but Kyle O'Quinn We haven't is talked like, about him yet, but yeah. we haven't, but <laughs> let's uh, talk about Kyle O'Quinn. Everyone's favorite bar I love Kyle O'Quinn. He's great. But, you know, Kyle O'Quinn isn't going to be the type of guy who's stealing minutes from Mitchell Robinson necessarily. He could be stealing them from Nerland's Noel, unless you also figure out a way to bump up Nerland's Noel to the starting spot um, permanently or indefinitely at least. And if you're doing that with a healthy Mitch, then Mitch is not on the team anymore because you're not bringing Mitch off the bench. So can I ask you something? Yes, please. Do you, because Drummond makes it's 28, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it would need to be a, a, if it was a trade, it would need to be at least a three for one trade. And even then, the money would get dicey because the Knicks only have fifteen million dollars in space. Um, do you do you think this would be a buyout sign situation, or do you think this would be a trade? It sounds like it's from a trade perspective. What I've read is that the Cavs don't seem to have interest in buying out Drummond okay. because Drummond could just go anywhere, and that would be a bad look for the Cavs. They want something out of this. Even a second round pick would mean like, hey, we we basically traded for Drummond and away for Drummond for nothing. We're at a complete neutral point. If they want to buy him out again, I I don't necessarily want it, but then if, if you're Drummond, why do you sign with the Knicks? Because other teams, like we know about the nets, right? How they're going to sign Blake Griffin. Well, what about the other opportunity where they could also sign uh, Drummond to, they've got the tax mid-level exception. So if they figured out a way to split that up, or if they have some money at their reserve, they've also got with Dinwiddie. If they don't trade Dinwiddie, they have a disabled player exception worth about the same as the tax mid-level exception. So if you're Brooklyn, do you do that? It, everything going on where if you're buying out Drummond, he's not coming here, period, and nor should he. But it's just, it has permeated my brain for why all of these rumors about no, big I, men I are coming you. up. Because I hear you. if that's the case and the Knicks are genuinely interested... What does that mean for the tandem of Mitch and Noel? So I, I genuinely don't know. Here's what I think. I think if there was a, if there was a trade out there, if it, okay, let me caveat this because I don't want to get my, not that I have time to go on Twitter anymore, but I don't want to get my message, mentions eviscerated like you're gonna get. Um, if there were, again, I don't want it. I don't. If there was it. a trade, if there was a trade, if there was a way for them to bring on Drummond with a, essentially by giving up 
like literally nothing that matters to them, but just by taking on his salary. And then they could use Mitch to get some, like, again, this doesn't make any sense because they, they just signed um, Steven Adams to an extension. But like, if there was a way to use Mitch to get Lonzo, right. Or again, that's not going to happen, but use Mitch to get something that you really need for your team. And your thinking was like, all right, we're, we're going to bring in Drummond and potentially, you know, pay him whatever he wants this summer. And he's going to be our starting center going forward. And we've used Mitch to upgrade us in another key area. Like I could theoretically, I could see that making sense. I don't think it's going to happen because a, I don't think Mitchell Robinson has that type of trade value around the league right now. Um, I think the fact that like no one fucking wants Andre Drummond speaks to all you need. To, and and again, I think Mitchell Robinson is going to be the better player than Andre Drummond over yep. the next several years, um, which is why this whole thing would be insane. Um, Cause Drummond's going to command at least $20 million a year. And I'm betting you could get Mitch at something, maybe not half that, but like, you well, know, 12, wait. Hold on though. If Drummond's not a value, then what team is going to pay him $20 million? I think some team would pay him. I don't see a team out there. That's the thing. I really don't. I think that he is like, maybe he's in maybe 10 or 12 million. He's a name. And some GM, it's all it takes is one. There's 30 and all it takes is one. And some GM out there will want the opportunity to be like here owner we got you a two-time all-star who's how old is Drummond? 27 years old? 20, yeah, 28, maybe what, something like 27, that. 27, right. 20, he's, he's not that old. He was but in again, the all-star conversation this year. He, he's going to lead the league in rebounding. It's it's something that a GM could show to their owner and be like, and look, the the idealized version of, of Andre Drummond is still good. Although I want to apologize to you and all of our listeners, of course. Um, I was wrong. Andre Drummond is shooting like dog shit at the rim this year. He's shooting 50 seconds. Two percent, which is in the second percentile around the rim. Um, excuse me, six percentile. But he's been bad for years. Yeah. The previous four, 62, 64, 62, 63, those are all below in the bottom third of the league for bigs. So he's he's just not good. Right. Um, and the other idea, of course, is like if you really want uh Andre Drummond, if that's like if that's what tickles your fancy in New York, why do you have to trade for him? Why wouldn't you just sign him in the offseason if you really needed that guy? Yes. Because again, I can, I can understand if you say like, we just don't see a future with Mitch and we want to trade him for some asset in the way that like Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince, I think brought back a first round pick and a lesser second round pick. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, are we saying that's Mitch's market? Are we saying that's his value? And at what point is like, is that first round I, pick eclipsing the value of what Mitchell Robinson already I don't is? Think, and uh, I would rather take Mitch than that first round pick, but if a team like the Wizards comes calling and says, well, shit, we don't have any money available for free agency. We want to build around Bradley Beal. We could very easily take on Mitchell Robinson and his very small contract well, they have and then pay Bryant. him over. What's that? They have Thomas Bryant. So they're not the best example. But Thomas but Bryant's tor- yeah, torn ACL, I believe. Yeah, I think he'll be back. He's barely but making money. No, I- and if, if you're having Thomas Bryant be your backup, then you're having one of the more higher caliber players as your backups because that team is so broken defensively that having someone anchor it who's not Robin Lopez or um, I guess Wagner, it just it's, it doesn't work for them long term. So if you can say like, hey, Brad, we're building good players around you that and you're like we're trading picks for him. The idea of, you know, like, well, okay, well, what does that cost? I don't really know, but yeah. I, um, what, what does Scarlett think about it? 
What's Scarlet Ray think about Andre Drummond? Scarlet Ray, do you think the Knicks should trade for Andre Drummond? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. No, you don't. What <laughs> don't ask me what you think. I, but but no, it's a bad idea. Trust me. Um This is what happens when your daughter only looks at the eye test, John. <laughs> the I, Andre Drummond <laughs> has not been good this year. No. Um on offense around the rim. He's he's a he's a hellacious rebounder. Um, which I think does have real value. And I think if you use him in the right role and he commits to being just a, a, a screen-setting dive man, the guy still sets as good a screens as anybody in the league. Um, he's still a presence on defense. Um, he's a big body who could you could move around a little bit. Um, I just, yeah, I think we both hope that this is not going to happen and let's yes. move on. But this was, okay. this was our batshit crazy one. So this I, had batshit throw, crazy. I had to throw it in. My batshit crazy one is at least a little bit more... Um, I think it's a little bit more palatable. And and I honestly, if I'm being honest, I don't think it's that bad shit crazy. And it's that the Knicks are going to trade for Victor Oladipo. Um, so uh, the Rockets at, at, at press time are, um, let me see how, how, are they in second to last? Are they in third to last? They're bad. They're really bad. Um, and they're, and they're getting worse. Okay. Or they're yeah. they're the twenty eighth worst team in the NBA. Yeah, they're eleven and twenty three. They are two games behind the Kings. They are in second to last place in the West, and they have the uh, as you just stated the third worst record in the league. They're in a fascinating position with this draft pick because they could lose literally every game for the rest of the year, and there would still be a better chance that they would have to give up their draft pick because it is only top four protected um, than it is that they would keep it. So. I, you know, for Tita, who the hell knows um, what his priorities are. I'm not going to guess as to that. What I do think is that any semi-competent front office person would look at Oladipo in Houston right now and look at what the next several years uh, portends for the Houston organization and say, we got to get whatever the hell we can get for this guy. And I almost, I almost think it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, if the, again, I'm not going to speak in absurdities, but like if the best offer was like, you're going to get a second round pick and this crappy salary, maybe that is when they keep him because they're just be like, well, we could just, we have a better odds of, of getting something better in a sign and trade at the deadline than that. But for all intents and purposes, they are going to be sellers at the deadline. Oladipo, Tucker, um, think I guess that's it. I mean Wood, if I guess, but I would imagine they'd want to hang on to Christian Wood. So, given that that is the situation, and we have this is not new territory. We've covered this on the podcast before, but just a, a quick recap: Who is the team trading for Victor Oladipo? Because I do not see a contender in the league. Or even someone like a fake contender, even like a Portland, right? Or like a, I'm trying to think of an East fake contender, Boston. Um, looking at Victor Oladipo and be like, that's the guy that we need because they could read and they look at his numbers this year and they're like, so he's 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 good, but he's maybe not that good. And we're going to have to pay him if you want to keep him. So let's stay away. The only competition the Knicks would have is Miami. It's the only competition. And this is where I think the Toronto thing gets fascinating because if Toronto is was 17 and 19 right now is like, look, we're not coming out of the East. We're not even going to win a playoff series. Let's call it like it is. We have Kyle Lowry here. He's 30, 35 years old. He's old. 
we could get a we could get a real thing for Kyle Lowry because while Kyle Lowry is old, he is the guy that could swing a playoff series for Philly. Um, that's the main team. I, I can't think of another one off the top of my head that would really be in competition for him, but Philly's enough. Like, if we don't need to go down this rabbit hole too far, but like if Toronto decides that they want to trade Kyle Lowry and Miami wants to get in on that derby and say, ooh, we might be a Kyle Lowry away from making the finals again, then that takes them out of the Oladipo running and then the Knicks are the only buyer. And if the Knicks are the only buyer, what do they have to offer? That would not, what do they have to offer? Like, what do they have to offer to get Oladipo? They could be like, we'll give, and this this is where people are going to get mad at me. They could be like, we'll give you Frank and Reggie Bullock. That's what we're giving you. Frank and Reggie Bullock and like one of our 2023 second rounders. Maybe we give you the Detroit second, which would be a lot. What does Houston say? I mean, sure. If that's if that's what Houston's getting, and that's clear cut the best you think, offer so available. First things right. Do you think Houston says yes to that? It's Frank. Yes, Bullock, if they, if, and a, and the Detroit. Let's make it the Detroit second. Let's make it a real a real thing. Sure. Again, there's no other offer that likely comes close to that because of who Victor Victor Oladipo is and what he has been playing like, yeah. and the factors around where he could most likely go this this off season. I mean, the dude is in Miami right now for the All-Star break. He so desperately wants to be there. He trains in the All-Star Is he there? I saw someone posting on Twitter that Oladipo is already, he put on his Instagram story that he was there. So it seems like there's this open secret that he wants to be there. And again, if you're Miami, like it doesn't cost that much to get him unless you are the Knicks and you're really going toe-to-toe to try to get him. And you want him that badly that you're willing to pay more than whatever Miami can offer, right? Like, because Win sorry, Winhorst on the same podcast we were talking about earlier was like um, talking about them, you know, giving up. Um, I think it was Duncan Robinson or potentially Tyler Hero, which I don't think is going to happen for Lowry. Like, oh. I don't think they, I don't think they give up Duncan Robinson for Oladipo. I don't even think they think about that. No, no. Listen, it doesn't take that much to get him, right? Like. Based on Oladipo's salary, I think it's only like, would they give like, up none? Like I don't even think I don't, I don't even think I don't, they give I don't, up none. Do they even have to? I mean, really, they need sixteen million dollars just to match, right? So right, which now, is the you other thing say, that makes it complicated because the Knicks don't have to. They could send much less salary back, and we know right for Tito's cheap, right? But you know, I mean, Myers Leonard is out for the season, so hypothetically speaking, he's making about ten million dollars. If you're Miami, you just need to find a player or players that can add up to about six million dollars worth of salary. That's not that hard to do. In addition to Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard, Avery Bradley. And I'd have to see if, you know, the Rockets have an open roster spot. But that's like, that's pretty damn close to what you need. And if worst case scenario, you have to like match a little bit more where the Rockets send back a minimum contract and and maybe you send back Kendrick Nunn instead. Like that, I'd have to look at it. Well, now you're you're getting into some... Now you're getting into a real thing. Kendrick Dunn right. is a real thing. Yeah. Okay. Right. But, the, if, that, but the, if you're not even saying that we're talking about picks, this, you're just saying that, you're yeah. sending that. Yeah. But yeah. yes, I agree. But again, I don't think it'll take much to get him. And if Miami really, that's the, that's the beauty of it. If you really wanted to, if you wanted to say like Miami, we know that you're going to get Oladipo. So you could just, you know, let him come in the off season. Sure. But you're not going to also punt on this year because you've got Jimmy Butler. You've got Bam Adebayo. 
you're still going to want to try to win. So if you think that Oladipo is a long-term guy and can help you win this year anyway, then, and like, that's all it costs. It costs basically two expiring salaries and a prospect who will be a restricted free agent whose value was completely tanked because of despicable actions that he himself caused. Like go for it. That's totally fine. If that's what it takes to get Victor Oladipo in the building, go ahead and do that. And if you really wanted to put them into that corner, if you're the Knicks, you could, I would probably just rather leverage out the cap space that the Knicks have and getting assets that way than by like trying to fuck over Miami. But if they could do both, then I'd love that too. Fuck Miami. Let's do it. (laughs) We've, we've, we've gone off the rails. Um, Here's I, I don't know if we I don't know if we have though honestly. No, I, I think Depot of Miami is pretty pretty believable. No, it's 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 very believable, but I, I just from the so let me just say this. Um I think Miami would get Oladipo and think that they can get him back to some version of what he was. The thing that I don't think Miami wants to do is lock themselves into Oladipo as like like this we're we're going to have to pay him such that his contract may not be tradable. And like, this is our team. It's bam. It's Jimmy. It's, it's Oladipo and Harrow and, and uh, Duncan Robinson moving, moving forward. Because I think they, my guess is that Pat Riley, that's not, that's not enough for him. I think he wants to shoot a little higher based on how Oladipo has played this year. Um, I just have to read a few of these stats. Do you know what percentile, according to Cleaning the Glass, Oladipo is for effective field goal percentage this year? Uh, I do because I was looking at it shortly before. Okay. Isn't, so with with Houston, isn't he like tenth percentile? The eighth sounds the eighth yeah. percentile. He's in the um twenty fourth percentile for three point percentage. He's at thirty one percent. He is at oh my god, <laughs> he's shooting thirty one percent from the mid range. You have to kind of try hard to shoot 31% from mid-range. That's 13th percentile. Um, Compare that to a few years ago in India when he was 46%. Um, The only area, the only area, and this is why I could see the Knicks looking at this and being like, you know what? Fuck it. It's not going to cost anything. Let's do it. He's shooting 62% at the rim, which is in the 50th percentile. So I could see them looking at this and be like, we can get a guy who can do the one thing that we try to do with literally every offensive possession we have, which is put pressure on the rim. And then as Tibbs says, make the right rim read. Um, And that's not Tibbs speak. That's just NBA coach speak. So I don't know. Um, He has not played a single back to back since January of 2019. Yeah. There's a reason why his price is low. It's not just because of, the performance on the court, it's not being able to be on the court. And the way he exited Indy. Was yeah, it was, not, it wasn't the it's prettiest. Not what you want. Um, and you know, I, I understand as well. Like if he's running your offense, it's, it's not terrible. He defensively, well, he can be pretty good. But to me, I look at this team and I see a team that is woefully inefficient and really good defensively. And now it's like, he's okay, good well, on Victor Oladipo is essentially that you're not really improving the air, your weakness. He's basically just making you more inefficient, but like, okay, he'll make you a better defensive team, hopefully, because we don't know how many games he'll even play. Unless, unless they think his quality of three-point shots would improve because most of the threes that he would be getting 
would be set shots off of Randall kickouts when Randall gets double teamed. And then if you're Oladipo, you either you either get an open three, a set open three pointer, or you drive and you kick and you and you move the train along. Um, which, you know, man, Derek Rose, Victor Oladipo, RJ Barrett, Julius Randall, Mitch Robinson, that's quite a I need. I would need to get another, another bottle of sake for to process what that would look like. It's quite an offense, and I, I don't mean that in a good like the sense of like, oh yes, I can't wait to see that. Like that would just be a really interesting mix of parts. That's all. So just quickly, it's a tale of uh, two performances for Depot when he was in Indiana this season. He um, from spotting up, he was 88th percentile, which is really good, but it was only about 11.5 percent of the time where he was doing that. In Houston, he is doing that 18% of the time, and he is in the 16th percentile. So, again, like, is it is he spot is him spotting up also indicative? So, of if the he's talent only around doing him? it though 18% of the time, it means I, I don't know. I well, just but that's the second most popular thing that he's doing in terms of percentages. Spot he's up also, threes. What's that? Spot up threes. Well, just spot up in general. Um, okay. So it's the breakdown is for pick and roll. Well, if it's, it's a spot up shot, it's, pro- it's probably a three. So right, yeah. But pick and roll, it's thirty five percent. He's fifty third percentile, and then eighteen percent as well uh, for of the time is going to be transition, and he's in the forty seventh percentile, which is average. So yeah. basically, what we're looking at with his performance in Houston is a below average offensive player, but one who's also running pick and roll. But he but he gets well. to the rim and he converts when he gets there. So for the most part. I don't know. I um, the idea I've, of him is just better yeah. than who he is, and the name no, that he carries right. is far superior. It's like you're Drummond right. in some ways, where big name guy used to be an all star, exciting. Maybe he can get <laughs> us to do something, and it's just like, well, there are just so many better options that you have to have or that you have at your disposal. Where you don't need those guys. I'll, I'll say this: I uh, I don't think the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks would trade Frank and Knox for him, but I think they would. I think they would give up one of those guys. Perhaps, but again, it's like, well, what's the market? Because that, Frank is yeah. playing nicely I, enough. That, well, but that's the funny, that's, isn't that the thing? We are in a world where we, we can look at this and be like, Frank Nilakina is a more valuable offensive piece for the New York Knickerbockers in the year of our Lord, 2021, than Victor Oladipo. What yeah. a world. Crazy. Crazy stuff. Craziness. Insanity. Um, Andrew, anything we forgot before we <laughs> see, this is why we should have started with batshit because we've just, we've, we've, we've exasperated ourselves, but you've um, been drinking more. So it helps that way. And I'm living through you as you drink. I got to tell you, it, it, sake is delightful, even not great sake. It's, it's a wonderful thing. So we're running a little long, so I'll be quick with this. There's going to be people that want to know what you guys think as far as predictions go with Alfred Payton. Predictions on Alfred Payton, like will he will be he the be starter? Here? Will he be on the How, team? Will he be the starting pointing point guard going forward? Will he be on the team going forward? Will he sure. last the rest of the season? People will want to know I, this. I'll uh, I'll take it uh, just because I think I have a pretty solid opinion on this. I think as long as he is here, he will be the starting point guard, and I think I would put it at. People aren't going to like this. I would put it like 75 to 80% that he's going to be the starting point guard for the rest of the season. That's my opinion. Yeah. Take it or leave it. I, I think he'll still start while he's here. But again, if an, if a playoff team just wants to throw a second round pick 
and matching salary for Alfred Payton, I think the Knicks would say, yeah, you're telling me that we used more of our cap space this year to convert Alfred Payton into some sort of asset. We're on board. Sure. We'll do it. Why not? So, and you know, yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I don't know how likely it is that a team will be out there because the Knicks did win without him, but there are also moments where despite how inefficient he may be, he scores, he slashes. He's the best slash that the Knicks have. So the idea of like him being here, maybe I'd like, you know, I think that he's more likely to get traded than not, but it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if he stays the rest of the season. I I know you're shaking your head. So no, I I agree. I agree with you that, the Knicks would trade him if they could get a real thing right. back. And basically my prediction, the my answer to this question is that I think there's like roughly a 25% chance that a team will give up a real thing for Alpha Payton. So, Fair. all right. We'll see. Um, Last thing, predictions. Who's the, the Knicks play Milwaukee and then OKC before oh, we shit, record right. next? Right. Well, he, actually, first? here's a quick question. What? Potentially, because technically I proved right, but then we overrode our predictions. Oh my last god! Time, you and so. your you and your nonsense um, caveats and like, just give a straight answer. Come on, you're like a politician with this. Yeah, just terrible. I played it's, both it's, sides. It's disgraceful and it's beneath this. That podcast. I always win. That's all right. So be it. Uh, so I guess Andrew, right? We have to do ten, right? Because we we stopped it. Yeah, we have to do ten. Okay. All right. Okay. So we'll we'll let's get let's bang out the the rest of the week first. It's only two two games. Uh, Thursday at Milwaukee and uh, Saturday at Oklahoma City. So who goes first here? Jeremy. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah I'll take it. Um, I'm going to put you into a corner and I'm going to say one and one. Of course you did. Um, cheers. <laughs> Two or no. Uh, next 10 games. I'm going first, right? No. I also I won that too. What? I did. I said a- four and two for the last Andrew six. Andrew just made had. a face to indicate otherwise. But I did. I said four and two and they went four and two. If that's but, what you guys have been using, then yes, Jeremy gets it. I just think it's hilarious oh, that John oh, is shit. never going to get to go first again in life. Just go. Just go. go. I'm validated. Joe, I'm you validated. validate my ass. Go. Sure, I'll do that, I guess. <laughs> we almost right. made it a whole episode. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so we're doing 10, if that's the uh, case. I'll, I'll, read, I'll read the games off quickly. I'll give you um, Thank you. Sure. Um, at Milwaukee, at Oklahoma City, at Brooklyn, at Philly. Home Orlando, home Philly, home Washington, home Washington. At Milwaukee, home Miami. So five home, five road. Um, of the teams that they're playing, one, two, uh, three, four, five, six are really fucking good teams. And then uh, Oklahoma City, Orlando, Washington, and Washington. I'm going to say four and six. I just said two and oh, so if I went like three and seven now, it would it would look bad because it would look like I'm just trying to win one of the two, which I'm not in it to win one of the two. I'm in it to win both. So you went four and six, so I'm going to go five and five. All right. Five and five. We'll see. All right, Andrew, that that good? I'll go ten and no. <laughs> I called my daughter in here to, to to give her prediction, but I think she's being shy right now. Dolores, is she coming in or no? Hold on, let's give it one second. We've gone on this long. My daughter's <laughs> not coming. I was going to ask her. Can uh, all right? Should I ask my wife? Yeah, sure. Dolores, what do you think the Knicks' record will be in the next ten games? What's their record going to be in the next ten? So you like ten and zero, zero and ten. What do you think? 
I love my wife. Said the same answer as me. What about your infant child? What does she think? My infant child thinks that she has to take a dump right now. Is probably is what I'm guessing because that's what she's had to do every three hours since she's been born. Well, hopefully anyone guarding Julius Randle tonight has to do the same thing. <laughs> what would, can you imagine if Julius Randle went out and won MVP tonight? That would be phenomenal. I would have to do an emergency uh, live stream. Uh, okay. Um, Jeremy, uh, thank you. Uh, these just, they get, they get better and better. The quality of the content is just it's unparalleled. Um, Andrew, thank you for uh, sticking around. Um, and everybody out there, um, actually, do I really very quickly on a personal note, I, I think I got to everybody on Twitter, but in case I didn't, um, anybody who said anything rem- remotely nice um, about the fact that uh, my wife had a child and uh, we now have a member of our family, um, I assure you that um, it, it is means the world to me. And um, I, I, I know, you know, we toss around the phrase on Twitter, like, you know, this is a family, right? We're Nick fans. We're, we're a family of Nick fans, but to me it's, it's real. And like, I asked my wife yesterday, I'm like, we haven't posted anything on Facebook. Like, should we do that? And she's like, eh, we'll do it eventually. I'm like, yeah, good. Cause I don't really care. Um, and Andrew could back me up on this. Um, Twitter is like, <laughs> this is sounds crazy to say Nick fans. Y- you are my family. Um, and you're the people I care about. And um, the fact that you care about me enough to say, you know, kind things, you know, when, when something like this happens in, in my life, it's just really is, is very meaningful to me. And I, I thank you. And um, we feel the love here in the Macri household. So um, on that note, um, thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. And we'll be back with you uh, with another episode uh, on Wednesday. Adios. Adios.